and welcome to the 60th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that goes deep on questionable specs so you don't have to. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering, finance, collection management, and speculation. A quick message from our sponsor, Face-to-Face Games. Face-to-FaceGames.com provides competitive pricing on Magic singles and sealed product with shipping to both the U.S. or Canada. Check out face-to-face card pricing via mtgprice.com, whether you're building your deck or you're stockpiling on a speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on the interwebs. My co-host this week is Cliff Daigle, a.k.a. at Word of Commander, uh, and we're here to help you guys make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hey everybody, I'm super glad to be here. I'm looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you. This show is sponsored by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to manage your collection, track your specs, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. Cliff, we got Travis on vacation this week, so thank you for joining me. Oh, always a pleasure. Uh, What's on the agenda this week? Uh, It's the usual four segments. First off, we're going to go through some top movers, some really fun things uh, lit up this week. We're going to be on to our picks of a week as you and I have some things that we think are some very fun places to put your dollars. After that, we've got some tournament results to discuss, and then we're going to jump into some of the uh, things going around about Modern Masters 2017, whether or not it's time to buy. But let's get to the top movers. Some super fun things on the list this week. I can't wait. All right, jumping right in, we're, we've got the original foils of Caves of Koilos. This is the uh, dual land, pain land from Apocalypse. Uh, the original foil printing uh, includes some very, very uh, nice foiling process from that particular set um, and is much desired amongst uh Eldrazi Death and Taxes players, Black White Eldrazi in Modern uh, makes use of this card where it is essentially a tri-land. Uh, the card moved from $15 to $23 this week for uh, about an $8 gain or about 53% and change. And they are most desired because that old border, that is Bellissima. Yeah, most deaf. Next up we have Negate, the uh, Magic promo, Magic Player Rewards promo, the full art. It looks like this kooky umbrella of fire thing going on. It was also at about $12. It's bumped up to $21. Uh, people are playing Negate. It gets reprinted uh, every two or three sets. It's almost always been in standard. I looked this up, and it, there's been a very short time where it wasn't standard legal. And having this uh, super rare version, relatively speaking, they haven't sent out player rewards cards in something like six or seven years now. So uh, people are on this, and I love it. If I can bring something that's full art to a standard tournament, I'd want to. Yeah, exactly. Next on our list this week, we have Power Artifact out of Antiquities. Um, This card uh, is mostly used in EDH as a way to decrease the cost on uh, the activation cost on key artifacts and decks that want that ability. Um, It moved from just over $50 to $120 at the uh, current lowest listed prices. Um, Just a very low supply on this ancient, ancient card in the the game. Um, Almost a $70 gain on that if it holds uh, for about 125% plus. 
the classic combo with this is the uh, Basalt Monolith, where you tap it to untap it and tap it to untap it, and you're generating infinite mana. Uh, I don't play enough 9394 to uh, old school, whichever people want to call it. Um, I don't play enough of it to know if that's a commonly used combo, but I know in Commander games, if you can get this off, there's a lot of ways for infinite mana, and this is just two cards right there. Yeah, I mean, the, the intersection of commander and reserved list is likely to bear continual fruit um, because, the you know, not every commander player is going to be able to afford these these uh, reserved list cards um, as the price points, you know, get up over the $100 mark. But in the same way that they might chase after, uh, you know, a foil soul ring for $200 a few years from now, um, there are still going to be people that want some of this reserved list stuff to really... Uh, ramp up the competitive factor in their deck. And really, where else are you going to play a combo like this? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the whole point, right? That's why it's It is the whole point. It's absolutely the point. Next up, we have Concordant, uh, Concordant Crossroads. Only the Legends version now. It has gone from 25 up to 70 $45 gain, almost 200%. And I think this is also more on the old school folks because... The Chronicles version has not seen a commiserate price jump yet. I know Chronicles is legal in such in that format, so we're uh, we're gonna see. Uh, if you want to jump on the Chronicles version now, I would not be opposed to that. I hate buying Chronicles cards personally because it ruined a summer of mine. Yeah, this this is basically the one mana enchant world um, from back when they still made cards that said that uh, as a card type. Um, and just basically means that it uh, gives your creatures haste, right? It gives everybody's creatures haste. Right. Um, so you see this pop up in commander decks like Selvala, Titania, Azuri, Renegade Leader, and Yisan the Wanderer Bard. Decks where they want to be tapping for effect and make sure that they get that off before anybody can do anything about it. Yeah, it's a great way to make the game speed up for you and for everybody else. And uh, I don't know if you when the last time is you played a commander game that went on too long, but if you can speed those up, that's usually a winner. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so the uh, next one on our list uh, is Seismic Assault. Uh, this card was printed in both 7th, 8th, uh, and Exodus. Um, which was the original printing, I believe. The starting point for this was about $2. These have been languishing in bulk boxes and binders for years. Um, it's always been uh, the centerpiece of uh, hilarious uh, combo casual decks. Seismic Assault is a three-mana red enchantment that allows you to discard lands to shock anything on the board. You can do two damage to any player or creature. Um, up 250% this week on the back of a uh, Swans combo deck for Modern that Saffron Olive posted to his um, MTG Goldfish YouTube channel. They got 20k views. Um, and uh, along with one of the other cards that was the top gainer of the week, we are now starting to see a trend develop where um, YouTube video content uh, that has a strong following has a very... Um, uh, strong likelihood of generating a card spike just based on the uh, number of eyeballs that are on top of the target in question. Uh, first of all, we have to say that this is, like you said, this is a card that people have been trying to bust for a long time. And uh, why now is not entirely clear. Uh, we got a modified version of it in Sulfuric Vortex uh, a couple of sets ago. And you're right that now we got to keep an eye on not just what is good on camera in a, a SCG open or anything, 
but when somebody is streaming it, this card's going to pop. I don't know how much life this is going to keep having jumped to $7 and nobody has wanted to play much of it so far. But if it puts up real, if it puts up a, a an actual good finish at an event, uh, even with three printings, uh, this could, what do you think, like hit 15? Well, well, this is the deal, right? I think that this the, the this is one of the rare occurrences where Saffron did not get uh, the didn't create the deck himself. He had gotten it from a modern either RPTQ or PTQ um, tournament in the Midwest somewhere, where somebody actually had won a tournament um, with this crazy thing. Um, and the whole deal here is that you use Swans of Bryn Argyll, which is a four-three flying creature for two in either a white or a blue or white or in a blue, um, and what that creature says is, if a source would deal damage to Swans of Bernargal, prevent that damage. This source's controller draws cards equal to the damage prevented this way. So what you essentially do um, is you pitch a land, deal two to the Swans, draw two cards. And you just keep doing that and drawing cards instead of the Swans ever dying, because it can't from that, from that method. You end up with all of the lands from your deck in your hand, and then you just pitch them to Seismic Assault and kill your opponent. Uh, the phrase running around Twitter is hit your swans, draw two, hit your swans, draw two. Yeah, it turned into a meme. Yeah, it's uh, funny. Yeah, the, the bottom line is that the MTG Goldfish channel on YouTube has 80,000 subscribers. This video got 20,000 views. Um, the average MTG Finance article probably gets a tiny fraction of that amount of attention. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for who is going to drive uh, traffic, I mean, we've been talking about uh, the Saffron Olive effect in on Magic Online for some time because a lot of his decks were focused uh, uh, the decks that he posted were um, things that he tested on Magic Online and tended to turn into uh, digital trends more than paper trends but now we're starting to see paper movement um, on the backs of you know a very strong subscriber base for some of these bigger YouTube channels and that's definitely something that you want to be plugged into figuring out what the release schedules are for these decks um, so that you can be and setting up your notifications properly so that that you can be aware of what you know f fancy johnny timmy combo card might be next on the agenda to pop if it's at low supply by the time people get get wind of it i couldn't agree more and uh, following along with uh, janky crazy comboness is what's going to lead to good uh, value gains for most of us so it's time to dig all of these out of your bulk box and uh, move them, and I I wouldn't feel bad about getting rid of these at this new price. Uh, oh yeah, the the thing here is that this is flash in a pan. It's, it's not like yeah. this deck is suddenly going to start showing up at every modern tournament, or you're going to see Tom Ross playing it on uh, a Star City Games Open some weekend. Uh, this is a hype spike. You want to sell into these um, if you can get six, seven, eight dollars for your seismic assaults this week, uh, and trade into you know something out of Modern Masters 2017 that's at a you know at or near lows. Um, by all means, go ahead and do so. Oh, you previewing genius, you. We have a couple more cards to go over, though. Next up is Grasp of Fate, a rare out of Commander 2015. This is the enchantment that is basically Oblivion Ring for each of your opponents. When it comes into play, for each opponent, exile up to one target non-man permanent that player controls until Grasp of Fate leaves the battlefield. So you can get uh, a three-for-one if you're in a four-player game and this has spiked pretty hard. It's gone from being about two seventy-five to sixteen dollars, gaining nearly five hundred percent. 
Yeah, I bought 60 or 80 copies of these on MKM over in Europe when this spiked uh, because Europe is always behind on the EDH trends and often doesn't see these spikes at all. Um, so uh, for EDH cards, folks, I continue to point uh, the arrow uh, or point the finger um, straight at Europe. That's where you need to set up your contacts uh, and figure out how to take advantage of this kind of stuff um, because these single printing commander cards have been uh, targeted over and over again. Um, this year we've seen cards from 2013, 2014, 2015, and 2016 pop um, that haven't been reprinted because one of the things that we've seen with the Commander products is that some of the very ubiquitous kind of core cards, uh, mana rocks, uh, Commander specific lands and so forth look like they're very likely to be printed you know every year or every other year but some of these um, you know unique cards that are put in the product uh, for the first and only time are seem to be at least so far very unlikely to show up in the next version of the product um, you know this is one of the ways that they sell these sets is by putting unique new cards that haven't appeared anywhere else. And on that basis alone, it's very unlikely for these to see a reprinting uh, elsewhere. And so there's going to be, I think, a comfortable two to five year window on a lot of these um, that make speculating on them make perfect sense. Um, whether the demand profile for cards like Grasp of Fate and Curtain's Call and Primal Vigor holds up over time um, has yet to be you know, proven uh, in terms of what price points they can actually hold post-spike. But uh, I felt very confident grabbing the copies of this that I did. And I know Travis and I both grabbed a whole bunch of Curtain's Call when that was a thing a couple months ago. Um, and I think both of them are going to pay off in, in, in a reasonable way. Um, one of the things to point out, though, with these things is that um, when they get to the $10, $20 range, you don't mind selling them as individual cards. If they move from, say, a dollar to three or four dollars, um, then selling one at a time isn't that exciting. So you may want to look at buy listing them en masse back to a dealer once their inventory is low enough that the buy list prices have raised. Yeah, selling Listen. single cards is just a, a mind numbing process, especially, uh, it doesn't matter which storefront you're going through or eBay or anything. It's just one and then one and then one and moving them in the batches is, is always the winner. It, it's funny, the uh, the Commander decks, they only have so many things they can reprint in those. And there's only going to be space. They, I'm not sure how often they've reprinted something just from the Commander set. Uh, they've done Command Tower in every single one, but they haven't redone like Primal Vigor, you said, which is, uh, you know, I hate saying the word, but do considering how many awesome token makers they've put out there now. But the, as long as we only get one multiplayer set like this, like Grasp of Fates is something that jumps out at me that'll be really strong for Conspiracy 3. Uh, a lot Maybe. Depends. Well, Maybe. We'll I mean, the, the, that, that's certainly the place that you would expect it could show up as an alternative if there is such a thing as Conspiracy 3. Um, you know, the, my inclination is that those sets have not sold as well as they they might have liked them to have. Um, but, you know, one of the factors here is that when these these new cards show up in the Commander products, they're usually in only one of the five decks. And right. because the, the Commander decks are sold to stores as a five of, um, they, they don't get restocked um, as often as an individual product might if it had a bunch of really hot stuff in it. And the other thing is that these... You know, the inventory of these is never very deep with any one vendor. Um, you know, most, you know, players or small time, you know, backpack grinders might have a couple of copies of these lying around. Try, sometimes trying to hunt these things down, even in Europe, is tough because the, the average vendor doesn't have 
uh, enough inventory. So you really have to find a bigger vendor that's opened a lot of the sealed product and is profitably selling the singles um, and and has a relatively deep inventory to make it worth your while to go try, you know, suck up all the shipping costs associated with um, trying to get to get as many copies as you want to make an, a play that's worth making. Um, but all that being said, I think that this there are further targets uh, that abound. Um, and if, if you're interested in what uh, cards from the Commander products um, that haven't shown up elsewhere might be good targets. You want to pay attention to Jason Jason E. Alt's ar- uh, articles weekly on MTG Price. James, what was the big winner this week? Uh, our biggest winner of the week was Payne's Reward out of uh, uh, Saviors of Kamigawa, a set that doesn't cough up uh, hot specs very often. Um, card moved from $0.75 cents to almost $7 um, on the back of a... Uh, another de- crazy combo deck that was posted uh, by the Mana Source over on YouTube that had 42,000 views, um, so even twice as much as Saffron's piece this week, and this was a white-black life-loss deck built around Children of Corliss, Immolating Soul Eater, uh, Viscopa Guild Mage, and Wall of Blood, comboing with uh, Sanguine Bond um, and sometimes Tainted Sigil. So the whole idea here is that you cause yourself to lose a whole bunch of life in one turn, often using using something like Immolating Soul Eater or Wall of Blood, and then uh, you can use Children of Corliss, uh, which is a one casting cost, one one, that you can sack to gain life equal to the life you've lost this turn. And if you activate Viscopa Guild Mage or you have a Sanguine Bond out, then uh, your opponent loses life equal uh, to... Uh, the life that you have gained back. So you could cost yourself something like 16 or 18 life if your opponent's cracked a few fetches um, and cast a Thought Seize or something, then you might be able to catch them flat-footed on turn three or four um, and kill them on the spot. Um, Deck is super silly. I have no idea how consistent it is because I've never actually run the thing or watched enough games uh, to know. But none of that has stopped... uh, the, the card Pain's Reward from taking off, which is a sorcery for two and a black. You bid any amount of life. In turn order, each player may top the high bid, and the highest bidder loses life equal to the high bid and draws four cards. So if your opponent um, tops your bid of you know, 10, 12, 14, 16 life, then they lose that much life on the spot, and maybe they don't have that much life to give. Um, and then they draw four cards, but they're close to death. If they um, allow you to bid the life, then you're going to draw four cards and be able to set off your combo so they they often have to beat whatever your best bid is and take a massive amount of life loss or they lose automatically it's a great set of choices that you're giving them either I'm, I'm going to gain i'm going to lose all this life and then gain it back and make you lose this much life or you're going to lose the life it's a really uh, really delightful deck um have you seen any did they should, i saw the link with the uh with the deck tech did you see any games played with it I haven't had a chance to watch them yet. Um, I, I suspect that the deck uh, can be soft to a smart burn player um, that can take Ooh. advantage of of you know killing killing you, going ahead and letting you bid a huge amount of life, <laughs> um, and playing a cagey little game there. Um, again, like the saffron deck, this is going nowhere. This is a hype spike. You want to sell into this. Um, very, very unlikely to be a, a, a persistent thing in modern, which is already so diverse that any card that is associated with just one deck in the format usually uh, picks up a singular spike, which it has trouble then surmounting. It'll be interesting to see what these two cards hold at, uh, the, the Seismic Assault and the Pain's Reward, if uh, people 
buy it right now because the deck looks like a ton of fun if they move on to the next flavor. We'll see. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to our cards to watch this week. I've got a particularly juicy set. Uh, you've got a couple of interesting ones too. Uh, let's jump right in on that. Um, so right off the top, this, this one's uh, an easy home run, folks. Uh, Eldrazi Temples. Um, which have been uh, were an uncommon in their original printing uh, in the first Zendikar block, um, were reprinted in a dual deck, and then reprinted in Modern Masters 2015 as an uncommon again. Um, their inventory is extremely low, and between the Bant Eldrazi and Black-White Eldrazi and even White Eldrazi builds in Modern, um, the Eldrazi are, are a persistent presence, largely on the back of this card. The I mean, the deck would essentially would pretty close to cease to exist without the um, mana advantages that the temple provides, giving them basically two mana when they're activating their Eldrazi um, or two mana when they're casting Eldrazi, allowing them to put Thought Knot Seer down on turn uh, as early as turn two. Um, uh, you know, that's what's really driving the deck. And there's a lot of people picking the deck up. It has been fairly resilient to shifts in the metagame. Um, you know, consistently tier 1.5, I would say, sometimes tier 1, sometimes tier 2, depending on the weekend. Um, and, you know, there are very few copies left online in and around $10. Some copies already posted in the $16 to $18 range. And I, I'm going to conservatively say that you can confident, confidently buy $10 copies and get to $16. Um, it's entirely possible you're going to get to $20. Because the reality is, now that we've seen what's in 2017 and it wasn't there, um, the next nearest opportunity, I would think, for this card is, you know, Modern Masters 2019. So you've got a pretty, you know, long window, um, at least a year, maybe a year and a half, uh, where you can watch this card go up, up, up. I can't argue. It's amazing, and it's a cheat, and it's why I of Ugin had to go, because it made things too cheap. Um, if you've ever gotten your back broken by double Eldrazi Temple in a Thought Not Seer, you know exactly what I mean. So uh, I'm, I'm for this, and I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, a couple of interesting points. Um, one, I one of my the, my worst specs of the last few years was buying a bunch of Expedition Eye of Ugins during Eldrazi Winter and forgetting to sell them. Um, very sad that I bet on that card instead of on the Temples, um, which I just assumed would be ubiquitous because it had been reprinted so many times. Um, but lo and behold, here we are. Um, the other part that's interesting here is the foil. The Modern Masters 2015 foils um, are often show a relatively low foil multiplier like a decent foil multiplier is usually about two to one on on a, a modern staple um but mm15 foils usually hold somewhere between 25 and 50 percent premiums um because the foiling process is not well regarded it's especially glossy and so forth um prone to chipping and so Eldrazi Temple Modern Master 2015 foils are in a little slightly greater supply in and around 14 or 15 dollars um uh as much as they are reviled, I still think those end up being $30 foils. So that may also be something to look at. I am always somebody who's in favor of foils, quite frankly. So you, uh, you, you've got me sold, and I'm over here looking at prices right now. All right. So uh, tell me about your first card this week. I am in love with Whir of Invention. Uh, it's a rare that's in print. It, you can get it for like a dollar. If you hunt, you'll... Get it for less if you get it in some playsets on eBay. Uh, I think this card is a lot better than what's currently being offered for it. And when this card breaks, so and it's it's going to be amazing. I'm thinking 
that I'll be able to get out at five. And I'm being optimistic there, but something's going to happen. We're going to get some cheap artifacts. We're going to get something amazing. I can't wait to find out what it is. And uh, I'm also a big fan of the foils because uh, those are only $5 right now. Those seem like an even more solid bet to go up over the long term because there's a lot of commander decks that will want this card in foil to go find whatever it is they need. Yeah, uh, I'm completely on board with this. This was on my list of uh, the dozen or so combo-specific cards in either Revolt that lead me to believe that set is going to be a mini future site at some point down the road. There's just so many uh, open-ended combo pieces in the set, uh, and this is one of them. There's a few things going for Wurv, as mentioned. First of all, it's basically Court of Calling for artifacts. And we know Court of Calling is a real card. It can, has been a real card at multiple points in Modern's history. Um, the... Uh, the likelihood of you having artifacts that you can tap for mana instead of creatures um, is not quite as high, um, but, you know, as you said, we're just waiting for the right artifact-specific combo pieces to show up, and suddenly this becomes very uh, important, um, potentially. The, the other thing here is sometimes you see these cards as a sorcery, and this one's an instant. So the ability to search up your combo piece at the end of your opponent's turn or in response to something that they're doing um, to dodge disruption in some way um, certainly has my attention. Um, and the fact that the foils are currently carrying a five times multiplier suggests that the foils already have reasonable demand um, and that other people think that this card is a thing in EDH. Um, and, you know, I think that the you're probably going to have to sit on these for a while. Uh, it's going to be something like the Hardened Scales spec. You know, Hardened Scales was a card people were laughing at, and I was picking the non-foils up for 50 cents and the foils for $3 for well over a year while people just looked at me funny. Um, and then the foils pop over 10, and the non-foils go to 3 or 4 because the right cards show up to make that kind of linear strategy suddenly worthwhile. Um, I think the same thing happens here, and I think this is a reasonable long-term spec that's high on the risk side uh, in terms of how long you're going to wait to get your return, but low on the risk side in terms of how much lower this card can go. Yeah, it's right now is uh, the delightful low point for Ether Revolt and Kaladesh cards, and uh, this might bust in standard. I doubt it, but... Uh, Again, we're just waiting for the right accessories to come along. Uh, I love your next pick, even as I hate you for it. Speaking of casual foils. <laughs> yeah, so looking over the list of foils from Modern Masters 2017, uh, this one jumps out at me as being far too low. Um, Cyclonic Rift is in 32,000 decks on EDH.rec. <sighs> It is, essential, it is essentially in every blue deck that runs blue. Um, the effect of bouncing all other permanents you don't control for, what, seven mana or whatever? Seven mana. Um, is, is... Disgusting. Broken. Yeah, it's, it's Unfair. We can and, go and on. Yet, and yet unlikely to be banned, because it, it seems to be at the kind of... The, 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 the power level that is acceptable as opposed to bannable. Um... Uh, there doesn't seem to be a movement to get rid of the card. Um, and on that basis, uh, you have to compare the original foils from uh, Return to Ravnica, which are currently over $20, to the new foils from Modern Masters 2017, which are in and around $10, and assume that at some point those prices will harmonize and these foils will drain out 
uh, up to back to the $20 range. The other thing that's interesting here is that this version of the foil um, carries the security seal, the hologram, um, that the originals do not. Um, so they are that much harder to fake, not that fo fake foils are really all that common, um, but certainly uh, plays into its value. More importantly, the Modern Masters 2017 foils, unlike the 2015s and 2013s, are very well regarded. Um, they, it looks like they listened to the community feedback from the last set, and the foils in Modern Masters 2017 uh, have widely been reviewed as excellent. Um, they essentially are normal pack foils, um, which means that there's no reason that these uh, 2017 foils uh, won't climb, you know, six months, 12 months, certainly 24 months. I feel confident that these will hit the $20 mark. And that means, you know, for every $10 bill uh, you throw at these, you're probably going to get at least six to $8 back um, after fees. The fact that the there's such a gap between the two uh, is indicative that they're like you said, they should come together. They should come closer. Either the original foil will come down a little bit, which is unlikely, and the the current foil should go up. Uh, like you said, this is uh, as ubiquitous as can be in blue decks, and I'm eye-rolling real hard because every time it gets cast, it's just the whole, everybody else at the table just groans, and you're over there smiling big because you know you're about to uh, take care of everybody else. Right, and there's there's like twelve copies of the original foils on TCG, um, and even of the Modern Masters 2017 foils, you're only talking about something like fifty, sixty copies under fifteen dollars, um, and I would expect that that will climb. You know, as more of this product gets opened, that inventory. Uh, uh, supply may outpace demand for a while, but once it turns the corner and starts to drain back out, that's when you're going to see the convergence. Um, and uh, one of the great things here is, you know, whatever price point these foils get to, let's call it, you know, they could get a little lower to seven, eight dollars or whatever. Um, you, there's no big risk to taking on this inventory because you're going to be able to trade it out to um, your commander players in your play group or in your local commander community um, without hassle. Um, and uh, it's very unlikely to see another reprint this year, at least in foil. Let's say that it shows up in a commander product in the fall. That's well and good, but so far we have no indications that those will be foils. Yeah, uh, when they start putting foils in the precon decks, aside from the uh, legends, the commanders, then uh, we'll have more to worry about. But that's one of the things yeah. that makes foils such a safe pick. Exactly. All right, hit me with your next pick. Uh, speaking of safety, uh, I also like Obnixilis Reignited. Uh, the battle for Zendikar Planeswalker, three black black, uh, plus to draw a card and lose a life, minus three to kill a creature, minus uh, eight to uh, have target player lose two life every time an opponent draws a card. He's $3. And uh, he's about to rotate, so his price is pretty much at rock bottom. He's been in a dual deck. Uh, I'm advocating for just about any of the versions you want to pick up because uh, on a long-term basis, solid Planeswalkers will pick their value back up. So picking him up at $3, I'm hoping he'll double up and I'll be able to move him out for $6 in a year, maybe two. All right, so here's the here's the card that was in the similar a similar boat a couple of years ago that gives me pause on this one. Um, I'm not entirely sure that the days of good planeswalkers holding value post standard rotation are are still with us. And the reason for that is if you look at the the um, 
price pattern for Jace Architect of Thought, which is a card that, unlike Obnixilis, sees you know semi-regular tier two, tier three play in modern, um, uh, occasionally in control decks, um, and uh, would be have every reason to be just as popular in casual circles, but is still holding a two to three dollar price point and was also reprinted in a dual deck. Um, arguably, the Obnixilis art in his dual deck printing is significantly better. Um, the dual deck printing for Jace was, uh, you know, awful. Generated a lot of yeah, it was awful. A lot of people were laughing at it because it just looked silly, um, uh, and certainly was inferior to the, the core set printing in Return to Ravnica. Um, but the fact that that card is still at two dollars and fifty cents and has deep inventory would give me pause on Obnixilis. I see what you're saying, and I, I don't necessarily think you're wrong. But I, I have yet to see the uh, enough of a. I think that Obnixus is good enough in a casual in a commander deck that he's got potential to grow. Um, you're right that about Jace the Architect, and that's a a strong counterpoint. But there are uh, the the history has been that even weak walkers have grown over time you know um i'm hoping that my stack of kioras will pay off one day so we will uh we will see i'm i'm optimistic so i'll give you i'll give you this much on edh uh uh rec.com uh obnix list is in four thousand decks and jace architect of thoughts only in three thousand so um you know Maybe that represents a, a slightly higher uh, demand cycle uh, in the EDH community. Um, I still feel like if I had to, you know, push someone in the direction of either buying three copies of Obnixilis or a Cyclonic Rift foil, uh, it, no brainer it would be the Cyclonic Rift. I'll give you that one. You sure. you've got me there. What uh, what's your next pick, James? Well, I mean, likewise, this next pick, um, given its its play pattern, typically as a one or a two of. Um, would certainly not have been on my radar if the supply had not gotten quite so low. Um, and this is all is dust. This is essentially the seven mana colorless wrath um, that that destroys all uh, uh, non-colorless uh, permanents. Uh, uh, Non-land, non-colorless? Non uh, each player sacrifices all non-land permanents that have a color. I'm not saying that right. Hang on, let me look up the exact phrasing of the card. Yeah, each player sacrifices all colored permanents he or she controls. Um, and since lands don't have colors, they're not included. Um, this card shows up in 5,000 plus EDH decks and is a one or a two of in various flavors of Eldrazi Tron. Uh, sometimes shows up in Tron builds, some shows up in uh, Eldrazi only builds, uh, and all sorts of crazy colorless artifact builds in casual circles. Um, it was last reprinted in Modern Masters 2015, um, where it got down into the you know six, seven, eight dollar range uh, post printing. Demand did not seem particularly high, um, but Tron Eldrazi has been a real force in Modern lately. Um, you know, squarely a 1.5 or tier two deck, um, and you know potentially better on on any given weekend. And uh, there are very, very few copies of this card left, considering that it, you know, it saw a reprinting. Um, and this is where, you know, reprintings in limited summer sets uh, uh, start to give you pause, right? Because if the 
inventory, if the supply pattern for Modern Masters 2017 ends up being like Modern Masters 2015, where, you know, there are still boxes around that you can pop open, but there really aren't that many vendors, you know, purchasing and popping them at wholesale cost. They might be sitting on some trying to flip them on eBay or whatever, you know, bleeding them out a box at a time, uh, you know, a couple boxes a week here and there if they're a major seller online. But the reality is that that big opening period that you see in the first, you know, four to eight weeks as you head towards peak supply for these limited sets um, does in fact end at some point. And with Modern Masters 2015, there was not a further release in December uh, of that year, but with Eternal Masters last year, that did happen. So I'm curious to see how things will play out with Modern Masters 2017. But back to this card, I think it's going to hit 20 bucks. Uh, there's just no, no copies of it around. If you can track down the uh, promotional version of the card, those have spiked up into the $50 range. So if you can find any at your local shop in the $20 to $30 range, those are a snap buy. Um, and you know, there's there's no indication um, that the Tron Eldrazi build is uh, in trouble, unless you believe that the Tron lands might be on the chopping block, at, you know, sooner or later uh, to. Uh, eliminate the fast mana that they activate in modern. Um, if you feel like uh, you know that those lands are relatively safe, then I think that this pick is relatively safe because where are they going to reprint a tribal sorcery <laughs> Eldrazi anytime before Modern Masters 2019? Uh, I can't see a place to do it, and I, I like how your two picks dovetail together so nicely. Being able to cast all his dust to turn or two early with Eldrazi Temples is a real way to make your opponent sad. And the fact that if you're playing Eldrazi, your stuff is colorless no matter what that mana symbol says. So you get that Displacer out there, and now you're making them sacrifice everything, and they're just going to hopefully not start crying right in front of you, but it probably won't be far away. Yep. All right, hit me with your final pick. Uh, you talked about hardened scales and foils a little bit ago. Uh, I am really in love with Winding Constrictor and foil. It's already at $7.50 as an in-print foil uncommon, indicating just how high the casual appeal is. Uh, I think it conservatively it's got another $5 to grow, and I would not be opposed to sitting on them on the long term for even higher growth than that. Uh, Counters keep getting more and more support as a theme, and this being uh, a hardened scales on a stick, another copy of this effect is just super duper powerful. I'm really looking forward to uh, watching the few foil, the few foils I already have just tick upward as time passes, and it may or may not already be in two different decks of mine. Yeah, I mean, you could arguably say that a small winter set foil uncommon is almost as rare as a fall set rare foil. Um, I need to run some math on that, but I suspect they're not far off each other. And the the reality is that Winding Constrictor is already carrying a like uh, seven or eight times multiplier on the foils. There are only 20 or 30 copies left listed on TCG Player and uh, extremely few in the six to seven dollar range everything after that is anywhere between eight and twelve um so i love this pick i think that you're absolutely right there are a ton of decks that want this effect especially in the edh um the standard play pattern notwithstanding um the the foils have a shot at being a thing in modern i mean i've, I've seen multiple decks in modern running winding constrictor already um, oh god really so, since since we since we already know that 
uh, wine constrictor is a definite shoe in for long-term EDH foil demand. Um, and the, the fact that it could also enjoy modern demand means that these are a slam dunk. Oh, if it, if it pops in modern, it'll, it'll hit 20. Um, yep. that's, it could, it could hit 15 to 20 easily on the, on the combination of both. Cause the thing I... is like something like, like lingering souls has been in that range, you know, uh, when it only had a single printing and foil. Um, uh, well, lingering yeah. souls had the, the F and M promo too. Right. Uh, the, but uh, Lingering Souls is not a big EDH card. No, um, it's a, a, a modern only card. When you, when you find the intersection of modern and EDH, now you're really talking about numbers. Yeah, especially uh, for something that's already like in print, it's going crazy. So I'm I'm a big fan of having this for my decks going forward. It's not that it's super powerful on its own. It's another copy of an effect my deck already wants. So I'm yep. I'm all for this. All right, so next we'll move on to our metagame week in review. Um, there was two stand, big standard GPs, uh, well, actually one much larger than the other, um, GP Shizuoka. Shizuoka? Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, so GP Shizuoka in uh, Japan uh, had something like uh, 2,700 players, whereas Porto Alegre in uh, Brazil only had seven or six or 700, I believe. Um, in both cases, uh, it was a, a story of two top eights that were largely predictable. Tons of Mardu Agro uh, and Mardu Ballista, Mardu Ballista in Japan, um, punctuated by a single Teamer Tower, Dynavolt Tower build in fourth place, and a Jund Agro build in fifth. Um, over in Brazil, we saw Teamer Tower take first place, which was you know a nice bright spot. Um, but then the rest of their uh, top eight was Mardu Ballista, uh, Golgari Constrictor or Delirium builds, and then three copies of four color Sahili Copycat. Um, so the only deck there that's really got my attention is the advent of the Teamer Tower build. Um, these are decks built around uh, Dynavolt Tower. Uh, and specifically, uh, they are running four copies of Torrential Gear Hulk and four copies of Dynavolt Tower, uh, three copies of Kozilix Return, and then uh, some Aether Hubs and, and uh, Fastlands that uh, are the cards most likely to take off um, if the deck gets popular. I would say that the Dynavolt Towers down near a dollar or less um, are probably your best bet for something that might hit three or four if this deck continues. Um, however, it's a pro one of the problems with Standard right now is that uh, speculating on a card just because it wins a tournament um, is probably not your best choice because they're just people. A lot of people that aren't already playing are put off and uh, of the format at present and are unlikely to pick up a new deck and jump back in um, just because there's a new option. Um, and the people that are already in and committed to playing for the season, you know, have their decks of choice and the consistency level of, of both the Mardu and Green Black and Sahili builds is high enough that they have very little reason to switch off of it. The meta isn't really shifting, it's jostling, and there's a big difference there. Um, now, once Amon Ket comes around, then we have a different situation, right? Like, we, we might see people uh, get excited by some of the new um, decks that are, uh, are uh, on the table, and I suspect that they're going to ban Felidar Guardian and try to kick open the, the door for new possibilities. So, I'm not sure about the banning of uh, the, the cat. I think that they... 
if they didn't, why would they wait? That's my question to you. Is do they have an answer coming up? Because there are answers already, and it hasn't stopped the deck from being one of the best decks. It's not overpoweringly good. If you can keep one point of damage up, or you can keep a instant speed removal spell ready. Yeah. So the answer to that question is: if you knock it out without new cards to build new decks with then the format just collapses in on itself and gets even uh, more narrow, potentially. Now, maybe with Felidar Guardian out of the picture and not having to worry about getting comboed out, some other decks might come back to the forefront. But the problem is they got rid of Emrakul and Spellqueller. So a couple of the archetypes <laughs> have already been kicked in the nuts um, <laughs> and are unlikely to make a return without fresh blood, right? So I think that, and, and it's also a really bad signal to send if you're banning every five to six weeks um that level of uncertainty people have are clearly not willing to accept so and the format is is not uh fresh and exciting every week but the play of the format is actually quite good so it rewards tight play it re rewards skillful play it rewards knowing the format well and it's kind of a prose version of the format super boring because you're playing the same decks all the time uh once you've played 20 40 50 60 games of this format you're definitely done with it you're over it <laughs> but um, i think it makes a lot of sense to wait till Amonkhet, both a to make sure that uh felidar guardian is actually a problem because any branding is a problem at this point but um you know it, I, I think it makes sense to ban uh the card that nobody needs for any other deck um, leave Sahili on the table and get rid of the Guardian, um, and then see what else Amon Ket brings. Um, I actually, I agree with you. Uh, I, I think they don't want to ban too often. Um, I'm surprised as everybody else that they, uh, didn't Sam Stoddard come out and say this was an oopsie? They, they didn't mean to make the combo. It snuck by them somehow. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't follow how you make that card and don't don't notice that your marquee planeswalker that's on the boxes um, interacts with it profitably. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I'll Twitter's, take them at their word. Twitter solved it in twenty minutes. Um, I think that uh, Dynavolt Tower actually is kind of appealing to me at a dollar. I I know that uh, Standard is always an an iffy place to speculate on, but it's such a a small requirement to cast two instants, especially in a, a deck like this team or tower one, that is the most appealing card to me financially. I think that torrential wouldn't have a lot of room to grow. The Mardu stuff is all like really set. Uh, do you think that the prevalence of the, of walking ballista is something we should be aware of financially? Um, in, in the sense of, does it have further room to grow? Yeah, it's got a, a year and a half left before it rotates. I would keep my eyes on the foils more than I would the non-foils, but it could be a $20 uh, rare uh, in this standard. Um, it really depends what other cards appear, um, what answers are in the next couple of sets, um, and whether the meta shifts in such a way that it's no longer a great card. Um, the the strength of the card the the fact that it's colorless has you know we've seen this again and again heart of kieran smuggler's copter hanger back walker and and walking ballista uh, there's a common theme here in what gen what uh constitutes a overpowered standard uh playable card and that's that it's colorless and has too much utility um and and that it's aggressively costed 
And uh, every time they've gone down that road um, lately, it's been problematic. Um, and I, I suspect that they will be pulling back um, on that breed of card in the near future um, if they haven't already. Um, uh, I think Walking Bliss is worth keeping your eye on. I like the foils better because they're modern legacy vintage playable. Um, the card's super busted when you have tons of mana. Um, and I have seen got... uh, Walking Ballista doing well in uh, workshop decks in vintage, which is always something to notice when uh, that format gets shaken up by standard. Yeah, I mean, there's also like all sorts of crazy things you can do in casual and frontier and whatever. Like uh, we were brewing decks locally in the frontier scene uh, here in Toronto that went like first turn uh, hardened scales, second turn metallic mimic. And then you drop, and then you and then you drop uh, however many ballistas and hangerback walkers you have in your hand for free. Are they both because, constructs? Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. So they come into play with at least a minute at minimum a one plus a plus one plus one counter, um, and now you've got a, a metallic mimic, a hangerback walker, and say a walking ballista on turn two. <laughs> so. Uh, and plus one plus one counters obviously are super popular, um, and counter tech in general is super popular as a theme in EDH. Atraxa is the most popular commander. Um, all of this leads me to believe that Walking Ballista is a keeper. It's also great that it's a small winter set rare and not a fall set rare because that makes a big difference uh, in terms of the play pattern. Only so much of either Revolt was opened before uh, focus shifted over to Modern Masters 2017 and now Amon Ket. Uh, and because the format was relatively stale, I suspect that the sales pattern, uh, as it was for Oath of the Gatewatch, um, because of Eldrazi Winter, was probably stunted a little bit. Um, all of that uh, bodes well for, uh, you know, if you see a, a lull in the metagame where Walking Ballista is certain, suddenly not good and its prices drop through the floor, um, that's definitely going to be a target. I think I will be in on Walking Ballista at a, a, a slightly lower price, but you're right about how good it is in a, a lot of formats with uh, the synergies that can be exploited. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on to our topic of the week. We just wanted to check in on Modern, Modern Masters 2017, talk about uh, you know the price uh, trends uh, with the cards, in, uh, especially the most popular ones, uh, figure out if we've reached the floor, uh, if not, when will we, etc. Um, so... Cliff, there was a there was a theme kind of running through some of the social media chatter this week that um, Modern Masters 2017 had rebounded, um, but we you and I ran the stats before this show, um, looking at all of the relevant mythics and rares, and we found something quite different. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree that uh, I actually started writing about uh, the prices of Modern Masters 2017 and thinking like, well, is this time to buy? And I jumped to the two cards that have actually started rebounding, which is Snapcaster and uh, Scalding Tarn. But my error is in thinking that we're ready. Um, my local game store uh, blew up. They, they did all of their boxes in drafts and uh, did $35 drafts and did uh, some ridiculous amount of product, uh, 22 and 40. They did like 50 drafts on opening weekend. And... I have been looking at the prices and trying to see when the time is to move because I, I don't think that a Monquette is going to allow people to keep drafting Modern Masters. So I'm waiting for the right spot to move in, and I don't think we're there. Snapcaster has gone up about 4 bucks in the last 
week or so. Uh, and let me look at Scalding Tarn. That has gone up, uh, again, about $4 in the last couple of weeks. This is just two of the cards when so many others are dropping like flies. Uh, Crater Hoof is down to uh, 10 after being 25. Gristlebrand, that poor guy, is down to 7 bucks. And the, the other rares and the, the mythics, aside from like the, the fetch lands, they're taking a beating. And the time is not quite there, but I am aware that we don't have long to wait before we stop opening Modern Masters 2017. Yeah, so I mean, if we compare all of the existing mythics uh, that are relevant in the set to their December 1st, 2016 prices, um, at release, we were already down 42%. And now, uh, if you look at all of these mythics, we're down another 12%, um, with the exception being Snapcaster Mage up 11% since last Friday, um, where it bottomed out under $40, um, and Liliana of the Veil holding fairly steadily at $70 after falling down from 80 on March 1st. Um, over in the rares department, the average rare is down 20, an additional 21% after being down a full 55% from the December pricing. So, I mean, being in a reprinted in a Modern Master set is a huge kick to the groin um, for a card that doesn't show a tremendous amount of demand. Um, and even a card like Scalding Tarn, which you know has been up over $100 and people have been waiting for a reprinting for years and years, um, is still having trouble climbing back out of the pit. Um, you know, Tarns were selling on social media circles in the $35 to $40 range last week, uh, end of last week, and now about a week later, you know, it's up, say, 10%. But the rest of the the um, fetch lands have continued to fall. We have Verdant Catacombs actually down 5% um, since release. Uh, Arid Mesa has been down is down another 17%. Marsh Flats down another 8%. Um, we have cards like Venser Shaper Servant, which in December were going for $18 that are now $4. Basilisk Collar, um, which is a combo with Mar uh, Walking Ballista, um, had peaked in and around $20 in a spike that we were reported on over a month ago, and is now down to $3.50. Um, Death's Shadow, you know, the most important creature in modern right now, arguably, is uh, down from $18 in December to $6 right now. Um, so when we know that the 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 rebound was localized to the cards with the highest uh, demand. Um, everybody wants Snapcasters, everybody wants Scalding Turns, um, and the demand for some of the corner case cards like Past in Flames, um, you know, Terminus and so forth, you know, those cards are just not going to survive. Um, Past in Flames is down, you know, 60% from $5 to $2, where it will probably languish for some time. Um, I think you're relatively safe getting in on the cards that have showed resistance. Um, Liliana has been as low uh, as 50 to $55 in the uh, winter of 2015. That's when I bought a bunch. Um, I think she could, you know, from 70 get down towards 60 at some point here in the next few weeks. Um, and Snapcaster and Scalding Tarn could both bleed off a few more dollars before they recover. But um, if you're just getting them for your play, uh, you know, for decks that you want to build them into, um, you know, I think the time is fine now. Um, it might get better later, um, but it's just as likely to move up $5 as, as, as it is to move down until we know how this supply pattern plays out. Um, keep in mind that um, uh, artificial 
um, scarcity has been long been a hallmark of Wizards distribution chain. Um, you know, even with Modern Masters 2013 and, and 15, the, the way that the orders were processed, some amount of product was held back and then released at a later date. Um, and as I said earlier, with Eternal Masters, we had a full release uh, available in December of last year, along with almost every vendor in North America being offered Japanese boxes that they had never had access to before. Now, if we were to get, um, and that has me scared off getting Japanese boxes of, of this set because I'm not gonna go in at $350 US only to find out that I can get them for 180 or 200 or 205 next December. So um, I got in on some Modern Masters 2017 product at about 175, 180. Um, I'm fine sitting on a few boxes of that. Um, uh, but I think it's, quite likely we're going to see more product come down the pipeline. The set is very good. Um, they designed it uh, to be well received and they will, will have printed to meet what they expect to be greater demand than the last version of the set. Um, so I think that on that basis, we are likely to see further lows on, on many of the cards in question. Um, and if you're trying to answer the question for yourself as to when I should get in, you need to keep an eye on the inventory. So look at tcgplayer.com, check out how many near mint copies are currently available of the card. Um, keep an eye on the price movement. And if you see it start to drain out and the price to start to push up and the supply is just not being replenished on that card, um, then by all means, move, go, go ahead and move in. Um, now, that being said, what is the potential for a card like Scalding Tarn at $40 um, or $45? You know, will this be a $60 or $80 card again? Um, I think the answer to that lies in the combination of how the supply plays out um, and whether it shows up in standard randomly. You know, if, if the fall set all of a sudden has these fetches again um, and, you know, printing something twice in the same year has already been a thing um, with car for cards like Mana Crypt last year, um, that we know it's not totally impossible. Um, and it, you have to at least consider the possibility that that could be a thing. Um, but if they don't get reprinted here, they probably get reprinted in Modern Masters 2019 because they will still be in demand at that point. And showing up once or twice in Modern Masters um, is pretty likely when you consider um, how little from the last three or four years worth of magic um, will need to be added to the Modern Masters cycle when we get to 2019. Um, leads me to believe that we're going to see the fetches again. Um, that being the case, you might only have a year to, sh to show gains on this stuff. So you're, if you're talking about these cards as speculation, um, you want to pay close attention to the ones that have the strongest play patterns that are going to get boosted. So I would say thing, cards like Death Shadow, Blood Moon if it doesn't get banned, Goblin Guide, um, the fetches. Um, these are the cards that you want to be looking at. Corner case cards like Damnation that were kind of fabled for not being reprinted but are, uh, don't actually have particularly strong play patterns. Um, when, we, when Travis and I first talked about that card, um, I said it was gonna fall down from 60 uh, to, to well, well under 30, and it's already at 20. Um, and Blood Moon is in a similar position. So you know, a lot of that stuff that didn't look like um, it was expensive because of uh, demand, but, but solely because of supply, is gonna continue um, to uh, bleed value, I think. Whereas cards like Tarmogoyf, Liliana, Cavern of Souls, and Snapcaster are, are going to be much more likely to hold or show, you know, I think modest gains, right? Like Tarmogoyf, if it gets down to, say, $70, 
um, if you're buying them on social media or whatever, might get back up to 80 or 90 and you know, you could pocket 10 or $15 after fees. Cavern of Souls is probably a, a future $50 card because it may not show up in, in the next Modern Masters, in which case it should be able to uh, regain the ground that it's lost here. I'm really hoping Cavern makes it a bit lower before I start picking them up for my assorted commander decks again. But um, I was specifically thinking of some of the things that see a lot of play, but have also been printed to hell and back. Um, uh, one of the people I was playing with this past weekend opened uh, three Abrupt Decays, and he's like, this is super awesome. And I had to stop and think about, well, yeah, it gets played a lot. But it's also, it was a return to Ravnica Rare, which was not that long ago. It's got the promo version, and now it's got this. I I just looked it up on TCG Player, and right now there are uh, 310 copies of Abrupt Decay from Return to Ravnica alone, and there's already 124 copies of Abrupt Decay uh, Modern Masters version. That card is not going to gain value anytime soon, despite how good it is in Modern and Legacy. Yeah, I got stuck with a stack of abrupt decays I didn't get out fast enough uh, on, and the supply is just too deep at this point for it to recover. It's only the 34th most played spell, um, or you know, non-land card in Modern. Um, and you know, when decks are running it, they're usually running an average of less than two copies. Because the thing is that now that you have Fatal Push in one of its colors, um, say you're running Abzan, you're going to run some mix of uh, Path to Exile, Fatal Push, and Abrupt Decay. Um, in, in many cases, because counter spells aren't particularly strong in modern right now, um, control is not a, a super viable strategy, and, and blue is not as dominant as it once, were, once was in the days of Splinter Twin um, or Fairies. Uh, that means that the uncounterable nature of Abrupt Decay is less important than it was, once was. Um, you know, it's uh, so, and with Fatal Push here at half the mana cost, um, it, it it's going to do damage to the card. Yeah, I I think that uh, the reports, uh, you know, as to summarize a little bit, the reports that it's time to move in. People have had their big opening weekend. It's not true. The prices are still dropping, and they may not drop too much farther. And if you're buying, if you're buying stuff that you're going to play, you should get the stuff you're going to play with. That's the point of this set: was to make Scalding Tarn into a forty-four dollar card instead of an eighty dollar card. Get your Tarns, play your deck, have a great time. If you are looking for something to invest in, I I'm. The only things I would be looking at right now are the things that I could hold on to for quite a while. Though, honestly, like, what would what would I get right now? Um, Hoof is tempting at ten. Uh, I don't want any part of twenty dollar damnation. I think it's got a lot farther to go. Uh, what else do I like? I'm t I will say I'm tempted by Blood Moon at twenty as well. Uh, I it does see enough play and the previous printings were not all that that i if that i don't think there's too much farther to go on blood moon and it's a, a card that people keep wanting to play in modern but aside I mean, here's the thing about go here's ahead. the thing about snap here's the thing about snapcaster mage inventory is is draining on snapcaster pretty hard and i suspect it's because uh vendors are speculating on it they're they're assuming that uh because uh, 
a lot of people have kept the cards that they opened from uh, their boxes um, and aren't flipping them back into the market actively because there was no GPs where a lot of that flipping would, you know, would be super convenient to, you know, peruse a few buy lists and drop off the cards you don't need. Like if you opened a Liliana or a Tarmogoyf or a Snapcaster and you already have them or don't need them um, or you need something else, then, you know, easy access to that buy listing potential um, would put a lot of cards and more cards into the market than we're seeing now. Um, and, you know, there's only 18 results for the new Snapcaster. There's actually like four or five times more of the original Snapcaster than there is of the new one. And what that tells me is that there isn't that much supply in the market yet. And I suspect that you're going to see more supply released through the vendor distribution network um, uh, to support the demand that's going on at local stores for what is reputedly a very excellent draft format. It and is. stores are going to are going to want to run these drafts um uh you know every weekend for the next three or four weeks as we lead into Amonkhet. and um you were asking me off cast you know when i thought the likely best entry point for most of the you know anything but the top five or six cards is going to be and i think it's going to be right in and around uh Amonkhet pre-orders and spoilers right because that's when everybody's money shifts to a new product um, and if Amonkhet is a great set and it's got a lot of hype behind it then wallets are going to open in that direction and you know uh, stores are going to feel less compelled to keep trying to track down additional product um, and crack it and, and sell it as, as drafts or whatever because now they've got Amonkhet at the forefront and they need to focus on that um, and sell through that product um, you know which they they have almost certainly already pre-ordered so um, a card like Snapcaster uh, that looks like it's already draining could be the stage could already be set for this to get you know, a couple thousand dollars buys out the rest of the Snapcasters on TCG. We've seen vendors uh, make moves on cards like Tarmogoyf before, where they were very aggressively buy-listed at uh, GP Vegas um, from a few different vendors to kind of uh, establish the price floor um, for the card and make sure that most of the uh, control over the pricing was in the hands of the biggest vendors. Um, and that could happen again for some of the biggest cards here. So I think the things that I wouldn't want to be caught napping on would be Tarmogoyf, Liliana, Cavern of Souls, Snapcaster Mage, and the most important fetch lands. Um, almost all of the rest of it, I think that you can uh, expect uh, additional softness in the pricing, another 10 or 20% uh, still to fall on some of this this stuff. Um, uh, the only other cards I'm looking to really pick up sets of relatively soon: um, uh, Goblin Guide, uh, Death Shadow, uh, and that's about it. I mean, I could like Scavenging Ooze is down to a dollar fifty. Uh, a card that's just, <laughs> that that is always useful in green decks in modern, um, and they're a buck fifty. So uh, I mean, there's no no harm no harm picking up stuff like ooze stony silence pyromancer's ascension terminus phantasmal image all under three dollars right now if you need any of that stuff go ahead snap it up um saving an extra 50 cents is not a big deal uh and uh and but i think that you know there are further lulls to come and if the supply sh shows up in multiple waves then all bets are off and we really could see the sub 30 dollar scalding turns that i was warning about I don't think we'll get quite that low. Uh, from what I've been able to glean, there's at least one more batch coming out, one more significant one. Um, I This is based off of just uh, the couple of stores I'm on uh, good terms with. And I don't think there'll be a third wave because that would start interfering with a Monquette. So another wave landing this week, next week, 
leading us into among cat previews is what the is the pattern i think we're going to see but like you said a third wave like the december eternal masters which was like what six weeks eight weeks after the original release yeah i mean the 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 christmas the no i mean the the christmas release of eternal masters was almost six months later six months Uh, that's right that's right yeah, so I mean that, that that was huge, and and if we saw that again with this set, then um, the cards that are already soft uh, may not have time to recover at all, um, and cards like the highest demand cards would be able to absorb most of that inventory because if it dropped, you know, if, if Tarns have made it up to say fifty or fifty five by that point. Um, and a fresh wave of inventory is released, then they get soft again down to 40 or 45 again, or even as low as 35, depending on how much product has been released in the interim. And and then it starts to slowly bleed out of the market again. So, you know, I, I think that's the bottom line, is that you, the top 10 cards in this set, you don't need to sleep on. The rest, you can take your time. Yeah, there's there's definitely not a rush. Get Get what you want and move on and... Be happy. Don't. But we're not. Uh, we're not advocating for speculative purposes at this time. I guess the other point to make is if you're cracking them, you know, in in drafts, and you don't even play modern, you just know that the draft format's good, and you're you know you're interested in in popping a goy for a lily or whatever. I don't think you need to be in a rush for those top ten cards. Try to dump them on anybody. Um, pretty much for all of this stuff, uh, even the ones that are going to get lower before they get they get better. Your, your best bet is probably just to hold um, and, and see how things play out. Uh, you know, the if you pop a, a Scalding Tarn, I don't think you need to flip it right now uh, because I think a year from now, almost uh, regardless of what inventory is released in 2017, by early 2018, uh, I, I suspect that, you know, a $40 Tarn, even if it's held at 40 all year, will become a $60 Tarn. Um, and so you may as well hold it in your collection, play with it, look for a good trading opportunity, and then flip it when the, the time is right. I am a big fan of keeping the fetches you open and just upgrading your commander decks and your cube and doing all that. Oh, yeah. If you can play with them for a while and double sleeve them to keep them in good shape and then flip it out later when it's worth more, um, by all means. I did really well on Cavern of Souls the first time around with that. I'm looking forward to having that happen again, too. All right. And on that note, that's a wrap for this week, folks. Uh, where can people find you online, Cliff? I am on Twitter at Word of Commander, as well as my weekly articles that go up on Fridays. And where can people find you at again, James? As always, I am uh, on Twitter at MTG Critic, as well as via my weekly articles and at MTGPrice.com, including my second piece this week in a series of how to make money on modern this year. Um, I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service. For just $4.99 a month or $49.99 per year, you can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a sweet set of online collection management and buy list tools that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. And uh, if we've made you guys some money, um, that's a great way to contribute back to the podcast. That brings us to the end of our show. Uh, thanks for having me on, uh, James. Whenever Travis is feeling lazy, you just give me a buzz and I'll be around. <laughs> He's over in uh, Hawaii right now spending his hard-earned uh, MTG Finance money, so I won't begrudge him that, but it's lovely to have you as always, Cliff. And thank you, guys. We'll see you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. <laughs>